Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Three questions saved my race. Three questions saved something. I'd spent 588 days preparing for. Three simple questions. What's not simple is being able to ask yourself those questions in moments of darkness, in moments of internal chaos, in moments of overwhelmingly powerful negative chatter. In moments of destructive dialogue. I'll never forget the moment. The shock of doubting. Myself and my capacities to endure. What I said to myself exactly was. If this continues. For two or three days. I'm not sure you have the capacities to get through it. That shock reverberated to my awareness and it pinged like a flag. It pinged up that I was in the state I was in. It wasn't recognizable up till then. My mind was doing what it does, trying to make hardship stop. 
but my awareness, which has been trained to a very high level, I would say, whatever that means. Um, but my awareness flagged my negative chatter. I mean, that doesn't even do it justice. I, this was the, this was the lowest moment I had ever experienced in some sort of physical endeavor. But I was trained, I'm trained for that. I'm trained to be prepared for moments like that because I've put myself into those states time and time and time again. And the process is always the same. You got to flag it. You got to flag the chatter. It's common. If you are going to try and do something hard and it is going to impose stress and anxiety and um, difficulty and discomfort, physical and mental on you, the process is always the same to come through it. It is going to drive you into a state of negativity, of destruction. Different levels depending on what it may be. You got to be aware. If you are not aware of it, you can't change it. If you're not aware of what's going on inside your head, you can't change it. And more often than not, we're not aware. Especially in those chaotic moments. Especially in those overwhelmingly heavy, dark, negative places. But the more time you spend in them, the more you get used to them, the more you're able to recognize them. And in that moment, I was able to recognize that I was in it. That I was having a conversation with myself that was in no way serving me. In fact, it was it was sabotaging what I had put every sinew of muscle, every cubic millimeter of cells I have in my body into for 588 days in preparation for this moment. And this was day one. This was not even 24 hours after I started. I was faced with this. But I was ready. Because I had trained the skill of mental strength and resilience. Because I had visualized the dark times. Because I had rewired and repatterned my thoughts, true actions to be positive. So anyway, my awareness flags this fucking state that is having very destructive and sabotaging effects. And I know to give myself a bit of space. So what I, what was actually happening, um, I'll get to what was happening in a little bit, but I wanted to describe what was going on internally that fight that struggle that wrestle internally between your minds the one that wants easy the one that wants quick fast the lazy one and the one that is primed and trained and ready to overcome that one 
the one is working on a, a slightly deeper level of access and isn't as prominent in your automatic day-to-day actions. So about 16 hours before, just doing the maths in my head, but about 16 hours before that moment, I pushed a small seven meter long ocean rowing boat away from the dock in a marina in uh, one of the small Canary Islands called La Gomera. And my goal was to row it using manpower only across the Atlantic Ocean, 4,800 kilometers or just under 3,000 nautical miles from that island, obviously, to um, Antigua in the Caribbean. I'd spent 588 days preparing physically, mentally, technically, but I'd spent about 12 years on and off dreaming about this moment, and it was spectacular in its emotion. Before pushing that boat off, I kissed goodbye to my parents. I lifted the Irish flag, the tricolor, proudly, had a photo taken with it, and um, shed a few tears, and was incredibly nervous and anxious, not about rowing an ocean, but about rowing this small little boat out of the marina and not putting it into the wall (laughs) with all these people watching. I'd stood around for uh, two hours as 24 other boats before me went out at five minute intervals uh, and watched some of them and uh, readied my boat and just tried to switch off my brain as best I could and chatted with my parents and chatted with some other Irish people who were there um, who lived there, who were on holidays and were just down supporting um, the event and uh, and me, I suppose. I was the last boat to leave. And there's one thing I have uh, noticed or what's remarkable from preparing for these events that it's often the hardest part is the getting to the start line and that there's this even though you're only starting, you're you're far, far, far from ever achieving what your goal is. There's this incredible um, burst of emotion because it has been hard. It's been really, really hard to get there. And there's been numerous obstacles and hurdles. But um, you persevered through them and you worked and you worked and you worked. That in itself, that start line feeling um, brings like I said, major emotion. So I was pulling away, trying to navigate the boats. I hadn't rowed my ocean rowing boat, which is called Darien. I hadn't rowed it in about two and a half months because it had to get shipped um, from Ireland to the Canaries about two months before the race, if I remember correctly. And then there was this incredible sequence of events that prevented me from getting out onto the bay in La Gomera to do some sea trials before I left. But I hadn't rowed the boat, so I was just a bit nervous about, uh, you know, uh, it's quite like, uh, well, I don't have a lot of experience anyway, so I'd only had about 73 or 4 hours in the boat in in the build-up, so that's not a whole lot of time to, you know, build up, uh, get skill acquisition. 
and build up an understanding or feel for it. But, you know, you do get that when you have a few days in a row on the boat. But like I said, I hadn't had hadn't been in the boat in months. So I was just nervous and I had good right to be because I was very ham-fisted for the first. There's a big kind of uh, U-turn uh, out of the marina that I have to make. And anyway, I made it around. And like I said, it was just this, once you heard the foghorn that officially started your crossing uh, time. And then there was a few shouts and... You know, the tricolor was um, been held aloft by somebody and it was just like this burst of emotion, like, oh, the, you know, the adrenaline and the uh, happiness and the uh, accomplishment of just getting that far. Up until about two days before that, I didn't even feel like I... I wasn't secure in the fact that I would be starting the race because I always felt... I'm always thinking about like well you know they mightn't pass me for this inspection even though the boat was in the water there was still a final checklist of things that needed to be done all the kind of i's dotted and t's crossed so um you know you only you only feel about two days out or i did anyway i only felt secure that finally this thing i dreamt about for 12 years and prepared for the last 19 months for uh like i said on on an incredibly um, deep and diligent and hard level um, was happening. That in itself drives all these kind of feelings and emotions to the surface. And then I turned the corner and rode um, like for, I would say, seven to ten strokes. And then I got hit by this gust of wind. Um, and it completely changed my state uh, because it it literally knocked the boat about a foot um, in terms of its bearing. Um, and I just remember like, oh, fuck, <sighs> what was that? I could literally feel the boat, you know, these boat ha- boats, ocean rowing boats have quite a bit of windage. So I could feel the boat move and I was like, oh, I knew I was in for a, a kind of sketchy enough or a nervous enough exit from the port. And sure enough, I did. I was fighting that side wind uh, off the mountain, kind of comes down off the mountain, which which is um, protecting the town or the town is built in the lee of it. And then it just sweeps down onto the bay, the marina. Um, and of course, that's normally fine uh, for most boats, but for a little ocean rowing boat, it's it's a lot, you know. So I did actually get put, pushed outside the channel, the exit channel. But I, I felt then, and I was right, that I uh, I had a, a decent line and I wasn't really going to fight against the wind. I was just going to hold that line and I was able to hold that line. And eventually it curves around the exit channel, kind of curves around and back out so I just I kind of just rolled back into it eventually and then I was away yeah I burst out of the blocks I was so full of adrenaline and energy and drive and enthusiasm and emotion um because of you know all those things are referred to you know the the weight um, the race had been put back two days as well because of the weather so um yeah I was I was just amped I suppose would be a good way to put it and I had intentions. I had like goals with this race. Uh, even though I was a solo rower, I believed that I could win the race. I believed that I could pass every other boat out. I knew I was the best rower in the field by a long way. 
um, on the erg. No, that is on the erg. And um, I felt that and I believed that that would aid me massively. I was delusional. <laughs> I had I had really no idea. Um, you know, self-belief is incredibly important around these things. And I have built mine up uh, to that sort of level where you actually believe you can catch uh, four-man boats but there's just so much more that goes into ocean rowing than that it's like everybody has different boats some boats are much much faster than others um and they're they're built uh with different materials different shapes to make advantage of the wind or the um sea state or whatever so you know this was all a learning curve but anyway i was like i said i was mad to think that i could but i believed i could so i tore out of the blocks put the put the oars down hard um and i passed actually four boats um there was a couple of solos so there was only five solos in the race there was i think 25 boats in total mostly made up of teams of four and two few three a few three man teams in there i think two of them and then there was five of us solos so i passed two of the lads who were uh solos like me and then i passed a couple of pairs boats if i can remember now you can't really it's not as if the it's not like the bloody uh wacky races here like that they're beside you but i did the two pairs one of them i passed pretty close close enough to like say something uh, to him the other guy I passed quite a bit away and the other two uh, pair boats that I kind of felt I saw like they were away in the horizon and but um I was pretty sure I was away from I was in front of four boats at that stage so I was absolutely buzzing I was thinking I was going to mow down uh, a couple of the other solos who who were gone ahead of me but uh, <laughs> that was definitely not to happen what happened was I basically got a kick as hard as you can in the stomach. I mean, everything that could go wrong started to go wrong about six hours in after, you know, I passed those boats. So the first thing that happened was the first problem or the first issue to show its head were my hands um so the calluses on my hands started to tear off on the oar handles the next issue was the heels on the back of my feet from rubbing against the trainer and the foot pad had started to blister and then i started to get seasick so like every three four five kind of minutes i'd just be leaning over the side vomit here vomit there and then the last thing, uh, the big, the kind of disturbing or um, discombobulating problem that arose was um, all my muscles in my lower limbs, so calves, all my major muscle groups anyway, calves, hamstrings and quads, they all started to cramp. I want to say cramp. Yeah, cramp is probably the right word. So, you know, you can't stretch one without contracting the other in terms of um, hamstrings and quads. So, like, both of them to be cramping at the same time is truly bizarre. And I'd never experienced it. And I never, you know, I, I my whole life has been um, physical endeavor. It's what I've prepared for and trained for every day of my adult life. So this was, a, like I said, it was very um, disturbing 
for this to happen. I just, I couldn't get, um, I couldn't get answers to the questions why this was happening, you know, and if you can't get answers, it's hard to find solutions, so. So just as my physical world was falling down around me, and remember now, my whole adult life has been based on physically preparing my body for endeavors, be they rugby matches or be they adventures or be they um, expeditions or be they competitions in some sort of athletic endeavor. So my body is my rock. It's the thing I have trained to be unbreakable. And here it is breaking, broken, with no solutions because I don't even know the answers to the questions I need to be asking. I'm not even sure if I know the right questions. I'm so confused. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? How is this all going wrong? And this is like, this is all going wrong at the wrong time, at the worst time, like this is the kind of my biggest individual or the biggest endeavor I've taken on as an individual. I've really stepped out of my comfort zone here, not just in um, trying to row the Atlantic, but in making a lot of noise about it. So you've really put yourself out there to be chopped down and now it's all gone wrong. And of course, that's just adding to the internal um, chaos and negativity and destruction that's going on and you know the the oh, the confusion that kind of that cloudiness of thought you just can't I just couldn't I just couldn't make head nor tails or anything of anything and now here comes mother nature oh yeah the things are going shit for you well here's another couple of things to add to the challenge so the tides turned at that time, so I am, um, you know, instead of being led away, now they started to push. The tides were now against the boat, against me, and then the winds as well switched from the aft, so from the back of the boat, pushing us away to the bow, to the front. And now I went from, I think I was rowing at about two knots, um, and I went down to, I remember looking at the deck repeater and it was saying like 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.5. In, in the midst of all this fucking chaos, I have a decision to make, a really tough decision. So do I continue rowing, um, but not give my body that window of time it needs to kind of regather some sort of composure and recover a little bit? You know, that's the only solution I'm coming up with. Your body needs to, it needs to recover. Um, you need to try and get some food and some liquids into you from all the vomiting from the seasickness. But if you stop rowing, um, you're going to get blown backwards. Or do you continue rowing and, and not give yourself that window, but you, at least you don't go backwards. So I decided to eventually, after a little bit of to and fro, and I the, the sensible thing was, you know, first and foremost, priority here is your body and it needs to recover so i crawled into the cabin set my alarm for 45 minutes and uh, got some sleep and when i woke up um i was blown back a mile now i wish i could say that wasn't a blow um because i knew it was coming i knew it was coming but it was still a kick in the stones i mean you don't want to lose a mile um, at any time on the Atlantic, you know, and I'm, I'm very, I'm somebody who is very motivated to 
always be moving forward in life. So I'm just, I have a mindset of I'm, I'm reluctant to go backwards, even though I know sometimes it's the right thing to do. But particularly in this situation, it was not the right thing to do, obviously. Um, or it wasn't ideal to be blown back a mile. But, you know, I, I did feel a little bit better, in particular in terms of the cramping. The cramping, it seemed to subsided. The seasickness was still there. Um, and, uh, you know, I grabbed a pair of gloves that I, I brought a couple of pair of gloves. I don't know why I didn't start with them, you know, probably fuck some ego macho thing. I don't know. Uh, and I taped up my heels. So, and I made a plan. I said, I remembered the GPS coordinate or no, I remembered the waypoint, um, distance on the deck repeater before I went to sleep was 42.2 kilometers. That meant that I was 42.2 kilometers from my next waypoint. And waypoints are how you plot your way across the ocean. So the plan was, I get back to that 42.2 kilometers and I will, it'll be kind of roughly nighttime. And then I'll put out the power anchor and I'll, you know, I'll get a block of sleep, uh, which will help me recover which will help me, um, I'll get the first night anyway, I'll get a larger block of sleep and then I'll wake up, it'll be the morning of day two and then we'll crack on, hopefully, kind of living in hope here that things would be better. So, I- Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Worked hard. It took me three hours to make up that mile. I finally saw 42.2 kilometers on the on my uh, deck repeater GPS. I put out the power anchor. There's a lot of faff involved in that. There's a couple of lines. There's a retrieval line and then there's the line on the power anchors. Like one of them's 90 meters, there's 120 meters. So eventually got it out. Um, there's quite a bit of chop. It was rough enough seas, um, but I crawled into the cabin, kind of safe in the knowledge that, listen, I'll be getting up tomorrow. It'll be a new day at least. Hopefully I'll get some sleep, but I'll be in the same spot. The power anchor's out now. I'm not going to get blown back. So I uh, woke up five hours later, looked at the first thing I did, look at the GPS, and I saw I was blown back a mile and a half. And now I just went into like super destructive. Um, I was like, what the fuck? How has that happened? All I thought about first thing was the power anchor didn't work or I've deployed it incorrectly. I don't even know how to use it. I mean, the winds aren't even that bad. What the hell is it going to be like when I'm faced with storms? Because there's a, you know, there's a high likelihood you're going to get at least one, if not more storms. And all I kept thinking about was, 
I'm just going to be like, I'm going to lose tens, if not hundreds of miles. And like, that's, I've only lost a mile here and a mile and a half there already. And I mean, it's just driven me into this fucking place of darkness. What's it going to be like when you're, you know, uh, losing tens of hundreds, if not hundreds of miles. So that was my first thought. So I went outside, got kind of into rowing mode. It's still dark. Again, the chop was coming over, but I, I remember leaning over the side of the boat, pulling in the, I think it was the actual power anchor line. It was about 90 meters of it. And you know, every kind of fucking fourth or fifth wave was coming over the top. That's when I kind of had that thought that I talked about at the start. I'm not sure if this continues for two or three days, I'm not sure you have the capacity to get through it. And that doubt, that self-doubt, had a had a reactionary effect I wanted like that I just I, I I instantly became aware of my state and the chatter and the con and the um the destructiveness of it and the sabotaging the self-sabotaging of that conversation that I was having and the things I was thinking about like people people and I was putting faces to these people who I know would be basking in my misfortune or in the fact that this was going so wrong and I was failing. That had a galvanizing effect, firstly, by you know flagging my awareness, my self-awareness of the conversation. Because if you're not aware of it, like I said, you can't change it. And then I was able to give myself that time. So I remember sitting down, I got the power anchor in, in stowed it, and then I sat on my the little rowing seat, and that's when I asked myself those three questions. What are you here to do? Row the Atlantic. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Well, you fucking row. And what good is another second or minute or hour or day or whatever amount of time spent here uh, like lamenting your mistakes and misfortunes and trying to find answers uh, and the answer to that was none. And, you know, in regards the goal to row the Atlantic and those three questions saved my race because I rode for the next seven hours straight without stopping. And I took a small break and I made this video. So, um, day one tough going uh started quite well um passed cotton passed about four boats and then it all started to go wrong uh blisters um healing healing hands um cramps everywhere quads hammies calves completely dehydrated um seasickness uh yeah constant constant vomiting um in, fa- in fairness though i felt better after I got, I got sick a lot of time so uh yeah um and then uh tried to get some rest got blown back a mile um caught up that mile again and tried to get more rest and put out the power anchor and got blown back a mile and a half uh fuck me um uh, and then this morning I've been on since six and it's now one o'clock so seven hours straight on the oars and I've I've only rowed about um four miles fucking um yeah really tough going really really tough going um 
can I can eat a bit today. I didn't eat anything yesterday, but can eat a bit today. I don't feel too seasick getting the shake into me and that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, this is gonna be fucking epic, man. This is only 24 hours in, and um, yeah, it's tough. All right. I was so shook, and that's seven hours after that moment. But I was going nowhere. I could only made four miles in that seven hours of graft and rowing. After I made this video, or during, I suppose, this video, um, it took about 45 minutes off the oars. Had some, well, I think I got a shake. Yeah, I said I got a shake, didn't I? I got a shake, and then I got some water into me, and then I rode for another seven hours straight. So in 15 hours, I'd spent 14 of them rowing, and I'd made 10 miles. You know, to put some context around that, Later on in the race, in the middle of the ocean, if I'd rode for 14 hours in 15, I'd probably make between 45 to 50 miles. So that just shows you how slow I was going. I was like just grinding on those oars and I was looking at that deck repeater and it wasn't even hitting a knot and I just kept concentrating on what I could control. I kept talking to myself about the controllables, about concentrating and focusing and redirecting my mind um, to the present moment and working on those things I could control, like my body position, like my stroke, like my technique, like my effort. And I just kept grinding and 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 grinding. And eventually, at 6 p.m. on the evening of day two, the wind shifted, finally, uh, in back into the back of the boat, the stern. And she started, they started to, I said she, but they started to push her, um, the boat, away from the islands. And yeah, I was rewarded for all that graft. I was rewarded for just putting the head down and focusing on what was in my control and what I could get done and have a positive effect on and I kept saying to myself you know 0.2 or 0.3 of a knot it's something it's moving you forward it's it is eating into the 4,800 kilometers fuck all but it's eating into it and it's getting you closer to where you want to go and if you keep doing that if you keep doing that you'll get there eventually um but I was very glad to feel those winds and hear those flags change direction and start to flutter the opposite way. Um, and then I started to pick up some speed and then uh, my race was on. And I started this podcast or this episode by saying three questions save my race. And let me tell you why. I passed four boats, two other solos. And they were in the exact same position as me on the kind of evening of day one, night of day one. They were going forward, getting blown back, going forward, getting blown back. But me having the awareness to ask myself those questions, so ask myself the right questions at the wrong time, and then redirect to something that was within my control and put in the graft, put in the graft. It saved my race because neither of those two other guys got up on the morning in day two and rode 14 of the next 15 hours. 
And unfortunately, their races were cut short uh, and they had to be pulled back into the local or the marina we'd left, not in one case 48 hours, in the other, I think about 72 hours after we left. Sometimes it's hard to see where success comes from. But I know in this split second or in this in this moment that I talked about and the decision um, or the, um, the flag for my awareness came from that's a skill that I've inbuilt through constantly going back into those places of chaos and becoming able to recognize more easily been quicker to recognize the negativity the destruction the chatter the chaos internally in my mind because that never changes that doesn't go away you will always have that if you're able to push yourself into those spaces it'll always be there you just become quicker at dealing with it and recognizing it Um, and I was in a very unique situation in terms of you know, been on an ocean rowing boat and it not really been um, like a, a physical duress in terms of like lactic acid. It was it was physically difficult because I was, you know, I had seasickness, I had cramping and I had some, a little bit of, you know, discomfort in my hands and my feet. But mentally it was the same uh, and I was able to, I had the skill to recognize that and then know how to bring myself back into control uh, true concentration and true concentrating and redirecting my mind towards something that is within my control and then working at that and persevering through that work even though I was going fucking nowhere I was literally I mean a little baby would crawl across the carpet the floor quicker than I was moving but I just kept doing it for 14 hours straight well, no, 14 and 15 hours, and, uh, and I was rewarded. If you're interested in finding out more around the whole mental strength and resilience piece and the process I have developed called the four controllables i have an online series a video series on my patreon that you can access from mind tier and above so this week had some pretty exciting moments or adventurous moments might be a better description um my life has been a little bit devoid of them for a year now um since I climbed Karsten's Pyramid in West Papua uh, back in August 19. So um, on Tuesday, just gone, myself and my good mate, Gussie Farrell, uh, rode a Kurok 26 miles from Inishir in the Aran Islands, the smallest Aran Island, to um, Galway Docks. Uh, we had quite the... Um, Quite the experience, quite the journey or voyage. Took us eight hours, 45 minutes roughly. Took off about half six in the morning from the small beach on uh, in Sheer and it was it was nearly a disaster straight away. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, this was all a kind of a launch event for a crowdfunding that we are 
pushing out there uh, this week, this Tuesday, the 6th of October, to raise funds to build um, our expedition boat for a project called Project Empower, which is a row from uh, back the other way uh, of the Atlantic, from New York to our hometown, uh, Galway, and home county, Galway. Gussie is from Athen Ryan. I'm from Renmore in Galway. So a huge project. We're trying to get money together to um, to build a, a boat from the same guy who boat, built my boat for my first Atlantic, solo Atlantic row, which you've just heard about on day one. Anyway, so to launch that, uh, we did this row, trying to get some publicity off it. And um, Gussie's story is, like, we've been friends since we were... 11 years old first time we met Gussie punched me in the back uh, three little rabbit punches um, in an under 12s rugby game uh, Monave versus Gawagians out in Monave and ran past me calling me a soft townie um, and we've kind of been friends ever since that moment uh, I love a challenge as you know and he, he definitely put up a challenge to me that day and, and uh, I can't remember to be honest I can't remember how I responded probably probably crying to the coach or something anyway so Gussie, um, like I said, we've been friends for years and um, Gussie had a really dramatic, traumatic accident last year where he ruptured discs, T9, T10, T11, and one of them, T10, the rupture, um, basically 95% severed his spinal cord. So there was a, a sliver of connection. Anyway, he had the operation and he was basically given a 5% chance to ever walk again. Um, that was nearly two years ago to the day. Now, uh, the end of this month, it'll be two years. And he's just gone on to prove everyone wrong. All the predictions, all the doctor surgeons, all that. He's not only regained feeling below his belly button, which he didn't have for six weeks post-surgery. But he's regained his mobility and he's regained, he's learned to walk again and he's even ran, run a little bit. So it's pretty incredible where he's come from. Um, and he, at the same time, he does still have, um, you know, there's still remnants of like proprioception and sensation that he doesn't have remnants from the surgery, from the accident that he had in his, his yard in work, a very innocuous accident, but had obviously devastating effects. So when we were trying to get into the boat on the beach in Inishir, my own fault really, like I, I was, I should have been the last one to get in, but I, I, we'd kind of been recommended that because of my rowing position, I should get in and then Gussie should get in. But Gussie's just, as you can imagine, he's, he's just that little bit slower than he ever was. And he's got the, like, an incredible will, obviously, and his determination is, um, you know, true to roof. So he he would he you know he he said he you know he didn't have any issues getting in, and I had no issues with him trying to get in. But just the way the circumstances went, he he couldn't get in quick enough, and his kind of foot got caught in the sand. He ended up losing his shoe, and he um boat went then beam on went sideways on to the surf that was crashing in on the boat line on the beach which it wasn't much but there was a little bit and you know once those boats go then they don't come back like so <laughs> he actually eventually got in but we were beam on and then the odd kind of bigger wave was coming in and it, you know 
um, any movement in a curl and it, it tilts quite dramatically. So we actually nearly got um, sub, not submerged, but like we nearly went uh, over so much that uh, the water would have come in and just kind of swamped the boat, and then it just would have been a nightmare. It was like quarter past six in the morning, pitch black. Thankfully. We didn't. We didn't get that far. It was very close to a wave coming in over the top and just and, and kind of totally kind of turning over the boat into the into the surf, and then it just would have been a nightmare. But we did take on a bit of water, and I eventually, you know, realised I needed to get out, straighten up the boat, and then get him in, and then jump in, and that's what we did, and we took off. And uh, yeah, like I said at the start, we spent the next kind of nearly nine hours rowing to go, and we got seriously fucking tough conditions it was a real grind and he did incredibly well because you know he, although he didn't say it to me you know I, I knew he was nervous about you know nine hours of work like that and it was hard work I tell you I was proper fucked myself for the next 36 hours my lower back my hamstrings you know so uh, yeah he did incredibly well we fought the conditions for about five or six of those hours we battled across um northerly winds of i would say close to 15 knots you know so that has a dramatic effect on a, a boat like a curric with a big windage and currents pushing us north and wave direction all over the shop just causing these real mixed conditions and you know we we battled along the galway coast for about five of those hours because uh, we got pushed north into it and eventually eventually we actually we got into um yeah like i said it right into the, the mouth of the bay and um kind of once we got i would say it kind of camped kind of around sea point somewhere in on salt hill and then we kind of got around mutton island and we were back into the docks and we made it and it was a great um a great success great feeling to do something a little bit adventurous a little bit challenging with a little bit of risk and you know that fires up all those um brain cells that are you know a little bit dormant without that kind of um um, without those signals of kind of near I want to say survival it wasn't really survival but you know like that kind of the edge a little bit that you hit where everything is pinging up and your brain just has to start processing and making um, smart decisions um, ahead of time and in in kind of complex uh, situations has to make them in in you know split seconds milliseconds nanoseconds whatever so you know really uh it's a state i love to live in i i really feel i um i revel in it and enjoy it and learn a lot from it so it was nice to be back in that state and and kind of what i'm also enjoying um learning about is the kind of leadership aspect of you know not leading myself but actually having to lead somebody else and attempt to articulate things that don't need articulation when you are just a uh, lone individual you know um, they don't even need to be clear in your head because there's an intuition there that takes over and all of a sudden now that's not good enough you know that's grand I for myself but there's somebody else who needs to know exactly what I'm thinking and I need to be able to um, communicate that clearly and efficiently and precisely so I'm enjoying that uh, learning from that kind of um, position um, so yeah, a long way, obviously a long way to go with Project Empower, but um, 
yeah tuesday the 6th crowdfunding launches so if you would uh, if you can spare a fiver it will go a long way to building our uh, expedition boat and it'd be hugely appreciated so next week i'll go um i'll take on from where i stopped obviously on day two and i'll take you through a few days because um not every day is like day one and day nine and day 14 and you've all these to look forward to anyway these huge days in the expeditions but uh, some days were a little bit less adventurous a little bit less traumatic a little bit less challenging so i have squeezed down those um our days into kind of one episode so that's what you'll get next week if you have any questions um i would love to try and answer them what's going to happen i think is i'm going to correlate questions that you guys send whenever you send them so if you send them now like after the open episode or today after when you listen to this if you want to get a question to me um you can through social media uh, i have started a instagram account for um deep roots is called deep roots podcast with a deep underscore roots underscore podcast or you know owl stock which is mine or straight through my website uh, damianbrown.com through the contact form there um and i'll correlate them all and down the line whatever you know seven weeks from now six weeks from now if i have enough I'll do a full episode and answer them all. So yeah, don't hesitate to um, ping them to me whenever they pop into your head and you just want to get um, get it away and I will, I'll keep it in the bank and then I'll answer them all together. So um, yeah, that's it for this week. So if you'd like to support the show, please follow, subscribe and leave a small review wherever you listen to this, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That would be hugely appreciated and would be um, massive for the uh, success, future success of this show. Um, So yeah, uh, feel free to support us with just the click of a little button. Thanks very much. Oh, and remember, keep striving for more from yourself. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.